Welcome to the Healthy Hunter Show. It's a little different because we're recording on the phone. Here's my daddy, Brooks Tiller. <laughs> Thanks for the intro, Hoss. Today is going to be a little bit different. The audio quality is not as good as normal because we are doing this over the phone. But with all the quarantine and everything going on, I could not pass up an opportunity to have this guest on. So stay tuned, but always remember, share it with someone that you think will enjoy it. And subscribe. It's going to be a good one. Here we go. Rise before the sun. It's that time of year. Load up my gun. Put on my gear. Welcome back to the Healthy Hunter Show. I am Dr. Brooks Miller. I am honored. Guest we have today is a man that I look up to and have looked up to for a long time and, and once I met him he became even more even more of a man that I strive to be like and, and want to make sure that is in my life. Tell you a little bit about him. He he changed the face of outdoor television. Pretty much created the genre from behind the camera. He's spent twenty to thirty years of telling the stories of others through first with television and now even to YouTube and using the technology that we have today, even in the podcast arena, to help tell the stories and share the good things that are going on in the world, in the hunting world. He is he has been with Mossy Oak since the beginning, and he has helped it grow, and he has done amazing things there. He is a big, big turkey guy, as we're going to get into. He's authored books. They are funny. They are instructional. And I'm just excited today because I have Ronnie Cutter Strickland on the phone, and we're going to get to talk a little bit about turkey hunting, a little bit about health and fitness, and just everything that's going good in the world. Hey, Cut, thanks for coming on. Brooks, I can't tell you how, how honored I am. You know, I, I, I'm i a big fan of yours. I don't know if I can live up to that intro, but the reason I'm such, I'm a, such a fan of yours is, is I absolutely love passion and enthusiasm. And if anybody's ever met you in person, that just reads from you. And that's something we're missing in today's world is people who try to raise the bar for something other than their own good. And uh, I've kind of made a living out of reading people. And I knew standing with you in 10 seconds, you were a special guy. So thank you for having me on your podcast. Well, man, I, I appreciate that. That means a lot coming from you and and, you know, doing what I'm doing today is, is a, a big factor came from meeting you and the encouragement that you gave. And, and uh, you, you just, I shared a little bit with you what was about my, about me and what I was doing. And, and you were really just a big encouragement of just keep going. And, and even the last time I saw you, I had my camera with me and you were uh, really encouraged me to, to do more and share more and get out there and, and share the information that is locked in this little skull of mine and, and to help other people, and I really appreciate all that you've you've done for me. Well, you got to have. There's so many formats out there, and I told you your message is one that, man, there's not a lot of people talk about it. My best friend, one of my best friends in the world, is Dr. David Allen. He's a chiropractor over here in Starkville, Mississippi, but his degree is in nutrition, and you know he helped me. I, I, I tell people that David Allen saved my life. Uh, I got up to at one point, I was 305 pounds, and uh, I don't know if you want to go down this hill. Yeah, I, I want to go. I'd love, love to because yeah. I know that if people see some of your older photos, yeah. I, I've, I've commented on to you this, you know, like some of your older photos, you've lost a lot of weight, and you're in a lot Ooh. better shape now than you probably were 10, 15 years ago. So I would love to go in that. You know, tell us the story, yeah. please. I'm just going to you, you know, I went to the doctor to have a physical for the insurance here. Didn't think nothing about it. I, I wasn't feeling bad. felt great. And they called me a couple hours later and said, you need to come back down here. There's a problem with your blood. Well, I, I almost had a heart attack. You know, and I, man, I flew back down there. And what it was was my sugar was like 300 and something. And uh, they had all these prescriptions laid out for me and everything. And I just gathered all that up and drove straight over to David Allen. He was reading all the stuff. He says, because the reason your sugar's so high is you eat like a pig. And, boy, that, I, he just told me straight up. And uh, he said, I can fix that, but you got to make a commitment to me. And I said, I'm in. 
and he put me on a program. I think his was called Ideal Protein or something at the time, but it was a bar for breakfast and then another bar for lunch, and then you got to eat a piece of meat and some veggies for supper, and I did that for six months, and I never varied because I had to go weigh in with him every Monday morning and I kind of didn't want to disappoint my friend. He was more than an advisor. He's my buddy. And I didn't want to let him down, so I stuck with it. And I, I lost over 50 pounds, and, you know, my sugar came back down to what I consider, you know, for a big guy, great levels. It runs 130 to 140. If I have a Thanksgiving weekend kind of eating, it'll get up to 150. But that's a far cry from weighing 300 pounds and your sugar being over 300. And I, like I say, it's it's hard to do, but, man, it keeps me active. I try to – nowhere in the in the realm of being in shape as Dr. Brooks Tiller is, but for a 60 – fixing to be 66-year-old guy to lose 50 pounds, man, it, it changed me. It, 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 I'm more – able to hunt and walk and carry my grandkids and you could just tell every pound that came off made a big difference so i'm very interested in kind of what you stand for it's uh it's life-saving stuff to me and that's the big thing i think is you know i mean just you i see you and you're a turkey hunting legend there's no doubt about it i mean you're a hunting legend well all you've done and i see you and just from the media that you share and all the knowledge that you have about turkey hunting, I was like, man, I want that. But then again, I don't, I think a lot of us, we don't realize that you have, you know, 50 years in the woods. And, you know, I'm sitting here at 40, like, well, I don't, there's no way I can have 50 years because I hadn't been around that long. And so, you know, like I look at, you know, say my dad and you and people like that, you've been hunting longer than I've been alive. So granted, you should have a little more knowledge of the woods. And I think that's the same way with fitness. We see people who are in, you know, six-pack abs and, you know, doing all this crazy stuff, and we we get maybe get deterred or get disheartened. It's like, oh, but I'm not in that good of shape. I can't do that. I think it's that finding what we can do. You know, I mean, I'm not a great turkey hunter by any means, but I love to get out. And if I hit, you know, I hear a gobble, I'm I'm excited. And, you know, I want to go try to track him down, and I may scare him off, but I'm learning as I go. And I think the same thing with fitness is we learn what we need to do. And as you said, you learn from from your friend, you know, it's great to have that accountability, someone there that's going to be on your side and going to be not not only on your side, but there for you whenever you need them to, to really talk to and to hold you accountable, to, to tell you the things that you need to hear. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people are afraid to afraid to hear that the hard stuff. And and I think it's really important when we're getting our health in line is to hear the hard stuff, know the hard stuff, and hear the hard truth sometimes because that's what's really going to kind of give us that uh, kick in the rear, but a pat on the back at the same time to get get it going. And one thing with you, and one thing I want to encourage other people is I know you I may have mentioned on here before is you know my granddad was was a pivotal role in my life and someone that showed me a lot and seeing you with your grandkids and that's one thing that I want to do is help other people spend another day in the woods spend another day fishing with their grandkids because that could change that kid's life and you know I just talked a little bit about how maybe how improving your health has improved your relationship with your kids and being able to do things more with your your kids and your grandkids yeah, you know, Brooks, when I was, I grew up in the late 50s, early 60s, and, you know, the health kick wasn't, I mean, it's not a kick, but nobody talked about it back then. My mom was the best cook in the world. My wife right there with her, too, but it was it was just, you know, biscuits and gravy and fries, and I love that, and nobody ever thought about it. We didn't have sunscreen. It was just <laughs> a, it was a different time. So guys my age, it never entered their mind. You don't think you're doing anything wrong. And it was a big wake-up call. And I could tell, you know, when I hit around 50, my mid-50s, I was like, wow. Because I used to run like a banshee, and I would, I could sleep on the floor of a hunting camp, get up at 4 o'clock, walk with that heavy, heavy camera all day. I never thought anything about it. And as I got older, I was like, man, it, it, 
I'm sore when I get up and it hurts and all that. And, I, you know, my family, my, I had all girls, and now I'm having these grandsons. And the girls were a blast. They played sports. We went hunting. We did all that. But these grandkids, you know, I look up and I got three boys that are just stair-stepped. And I get to spend tons of time with them. And I was like, you know, their dads work full-time and they're real busy. And I'm I'm, a, I, I'm the guy that can kind of take them in the woods and go fishing and hunting. And they, all three of them love sports. I got them hitting golf balls right now during all this quarantine into a net. But I was like, if I'm not here, they're going to miss a lot of that. And if I'm in, you know, just just – if I'm just sitting on the couch getting fatter and fatter, I ain't going to be able to get up and do anything. Now, I'm not in the greatest shape, but I'm in pretty good shape for a 66-year-old guy because I've run with them kids pretty hard. And it was that, that was my motivation. Like, man, the more time I can spend with them, the more stuff I can pass on, not just turkey hunting or golf or fishing, but just kind of, you know, maybe, how, you know, like a big deal with me is how to treat women. Mm-hmm. We had a big we had a big camp out, and the first hour we were around the camp out that night, we talked about how how to treat your mom and your grandmother and your sister, and how special they are, and, and stuff. Like, I want to be able to pass that on because you know I'm at the age now. I'll say that kind of stuff and don't think nothing about it. Right. Some, some people won't say those kind of things, but I was like, you know, if that's a southern thing, well, so be it. You know, we still open doors for our wife and our sister and our mom and our grandmother. And, and you know, some people, they, they'll just shrug that off. But to me, that's, that's a statement. And you could be anywhere with these three grandkids, and if there's a woman there, they're going to trot up to the front of the line. They're opening a door for them. And uh, that's the kind of stuff I want to be around for. And, uh, you know, my, my dad, he had a heart attack when he was, I think, 41 years old. And I was with him. My dad was not a big guy. My dad was a, he was maybe 5'8", about 40. Was in the military his whole life. He's not the kind of guy you think would have a heart attack. And I was with him. I was 12 years old. And we were headed to Duncan Park Golf Course. And there was a lady on the side of the road had a flat tire. And he stopped to help her change that tire. And boom, he changed colors, got ashy. Uh, grabbed his chest, his left arm, I think it was, was hurting. And there I am at 12 years old. Of course, I was a big kid. And he he got himself up and got in the car, and I actually drove him to the hospital <laughs> 12 years old. <laughs> and uh, that stuck with me because it's like, you know, he wasn't a big guy either, but, you know, the fact that it was just even in my family. I don't know why I didn't start earlier, but now I really, really watch what I eat. Now I probably don't eat nowhere anywhere near as good as you, but 100% eliminated sugar unless it's, you know, because they sneak sugar in on you all the time. But, yeah, you know, no sweets, nothing like that. That's my number one thing, and I'll, 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 I can get deeper into that. But, you know, just eliminating sugar, soft drinks, dessert, stuff like that, I've been able to keep the weight off pretty good without – denying myself a, you know a few pleasures so sugar was a big deal and then uh like i say keeping active with those those three boys so they'll have an old school perspective that was my motivation and i think that means a ton i mean because i mean your wife now i've seen some things that she is some pictures of some food and i know that she's <laughs> an amazing cook yeah and, you know and i mean that that's and I, it, but the thing, like you said, you don't have to deny yourself. You know, you said Thanksgiving, family's around. You want to have a big meal. You can you can do that, and you have those times whenever you're like, I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah. But the rest of the time, you're you know you're just being very conscious, and and it's not a restrictive thing. It's a it's, you have that purpose behind it. So there's more to it than just I'm denying myself all the good stuff. You know, I'm 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 not going to go get. You know, uh, like you said, the soft drink, and you're not going to get the junk food at the convenience store because, one, you have those kids looking up to you, and, two, you want to be around and you want to play with them and you want to do stuff with them and not not be sitting in the in the chair telling them what to do. You could show them, which is an amazing thing. Cause I know you're a big golfer, and you're out all turkey season running around and taking them, and you, you I'm sure you take people, and you've seen more people kill a turkey than you've actually killed yourself, which is a testament just to that 
how great that you you are to other people and, and how giving you are, which, once again, that grandpa thing, which is uh, just a great thing that I, I got from you, that you're willing to pour into other people, which we we need that, especially right now we've got a lot of people that are, you know, they don't have meat in the freezer. They don't, yeah. and, and you're, and people that are, they're wanting to learn. And we, and I find a lot of us, maybe we don't want to share our honey hole and things like that, but you're one of those guys that you're willing and able to take people and teach people the things that we need to know. And, and that, and being healthier and fit, we're able to do more of that, which is uh, something that I've really, really been attracted to, to you uh, and learned from you that, that you're doing with, not only your grandkids, but everybody that you have veterans and everybody else that you get to meet. Well, you know, that's the one thing you can do is try to leave it better. And, uh, you know, uh, and I said this 25 years ago, a hunter goes through four stages. The first stage is whatever you've picked out, you just want to get one. And one can be whatever, a duck or a deer or a turkey. The second stage you go through is you want to get as many as you can stack in the back of your pickup truck. You just go into a numbers game. And the stage three is you want to get the biggest one that's ever walked the face of the earth. And a lot of people get stuck in that. And number four is, okay, that's who I've become. Let me teach it. Let me share it. Let me let me be a gamekeeper. And I, I tell people all the time with declining numbers in, in, in hunting license sales and stuff, and that's not because people are necessarily – against hunting it's just they don't the the people like you these days both both parents are working they're wide open it's hard to dedicate a whole weekend or eight hours on a saturday to go hunting there there it's it's a battle with time as much as it is anything but the way to crack that code with people who don't hunt is through food because people are very interested in where their food comes from you know you break down the difference in a a, a big ribeye steak and a big piece of venison tenderloin, and it's so much better for you. And they want that. They just they don't they don't necessarily know how to get it. We did a big they did a big experiment at QDMA, and uh, with their field to fork program, which is fabulous. They set up these stands at some farmers markets, and we they were just cooking venison, and people were coming over there. Oh, I love this. I wish I knew how to get it. And they signed up, they did a, I think they did four or five hunts. They signed up people that had never been hunting and took them on a three-day deal. First day was all safety, how to do this. And most of them were crossbow hunts, taught them how to shoot a crossbow. But some of the information that came out of that was this is, they were willing to take the time to do the research, figure out how to shoot a gun or a crossbow, get the gear, learn about the deer and all that, what, well, the stumbling block of the brick wall was, was what do I do with that deer once it's down? That kind of freaks everybody out. So the big deal was let's, let's show them how to process their own meat. If nothing else, show them how to field dress it and get it to a deer processor because they're everywhere. The people are so, so interested in their meat. And it's something I've been doing forever is eating a ton of wild game. So the key to growing that, that hunting and bringing more people in, it's just kind of showing them how to do that. And you don't have to, you know, run an ad on Facebook to find somebody who wants to learn. They're they're living next door to you. People want to live the same lifestyle you do, it's, especially older men. They, they're intimidated and won't ask for help. I had a guy ask me not long ago about he was talking about taking kids, taking kids, and he said. Is that where you spend most of your time? I said, I, look, I take tons of kids, but if I had to choose to introduce somebody to the outdoors, I'm going to get a person that has a driver's license. And he said, what? I said, well, then they can do it themselves. If you're teaching an eight-year-old because his dad mom don't hunt, you may take him a weekend. Well, he's, he's done unless you take him again. So teach somebody who's got transportation, has got some time, and then that way they can pass it on, but... The food is the whole key to perpetuating what we got going on. Once people figure out how to get their own venison or their own turkey breast or whatever it is, they're kind of hooked for life. Yeah, I, you know, and that's one of the things with, with my wife. We have the circus company, and, and of course, um, 
the big entertainment stuff, and, and with everything that's going on in the world right now, it's kind of shut down. But we will have some of her entertainment, uh, some people work for her. We'll bring them over to the house, and we'll have things in the summer and cook out, whatever. And last year, the chanterelles were going off and everywhere, and, and my son, who was barely four years old, he said, he pointed to my dad. They were out in the woods. Uh, going out and seeing, the, you know, checking trail cameras for turkey and deer, and he po- he points out the mushrooms. And when I went down there, he they pointed out to me, and I said, "Those are chanterelles. Those are those are you know like fifty bucks a pound or whatever." <laughs> we go out to gather and we, we gather them up, and the next day, you know, we washed them, and the next day they were coming over, and we had some we had some elk, we had some turkey, we had some deer, you know, we had bacon, whatever we had, but we had vegetables. From the garden, we had uh, we had the mushrooms that we sauteed up, and and I did some in butter, some in coconut oil because some of the performers they're vegan or vegetarian, and it was interesting to get into a conversation with them. They were interested in you know I said you know these right here I you know we did them this and and being even vegans we got to this conversation and and one of them she's like yeah you know she's like my dad and my brothers they hunt they fish you know I fished a little bit when I was growing up and it was just kind of a an intro where I was talk, I got to talk about you know yeah you know this deer we killed this on on you know, this property and you know, we did it all ourselves and and they were really interested in the fact that oh you know you're not just out here cold blooded killer you're you're doing this because it's healthy and good for your family and you know and I got you know I got a two year old and a four year old who are eating deer and you know they're just like that, that and, you know they weren't offended but they were interested in it and it was just that kind of that. Oh, you're doing this for your family, and yeah. and, and and you're doing it the right way. You're using all the parts, and and it was really interesting. I know the thing we get a lot of times is like, oh, it's us against them, and like you said, the QGMA being at a at a farmers market offering food up to people, and I think I talked to he's talking about the fact that people would come to these things, he said, they're not the people that you would consider. You know, he said, they are from all walks of life, uh, you know, all shapes and forms and fashions. And he said, they may not be the people that you would think about being in the, you know, in the Bass Pro Shops buying the Mossy Oak. He said, right. but, they're, but they're looking for their own food. And I think that's, like what you said, it's just really critical that we need, you know, it, it, it starts with the food. Everybody's got to eat. And, yep. and you know, and, and with all this, Coronavirus. People are talking about uh, food shortages and and meat shortages, and and I think right now is a great time as a hunter. We can reach out to other people and like, hey, do you need some meat? You know, and and mm-hmm. offer them a, a pack of deer or offer them a, a, a you know turkey breast or even better, ask them to go with us to to go kill a turkey and see if get them involved that way. And I think that uh, just using every to- opportunity we have to get people involved, but. You know, like you said, it's it's all about the food and, and getting people involved and getting those who are able to pass it on. You, you know, if you teach an older person, they're able to pass it on sooner than that 12-year-old kid. Yep. You know, I, I got into that self-reliance mode a few, well, I don't know how long, 10, 11, 12 years ago when Katrina, when Katrina hit. And uh, I got a bunch of buddies that are game wardens. They went down to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And as soon as they got there, one of my buddies called me and he said, Cuz, we need some help down here. And I said, what is it? He said, we need some mosquito netting. And mosquito, you can't imagine how bad the mosquitoes were after Katrina hit. I don't know why. But anyway, they made me a list. I went to Tox. He said, look, take the company credit card, get them whatever they need, and get it down there. God bless him. That's the way he rolls. So me and Greg Briggs, we rounded up everything we could get and went down there. And I was down there for a few days. And I I, I found something just struck me while I was there. Number one, the further you got inland and got out into the country checking on people, the country people, especially the old people, they were fine. You know, they had stuff they had put up and canned. And they had, it was just more of an inconvenience to them. Yeah. But if you got down close to downtown, you could have had all the money in the world, but if you didn't have some gas and some food and some water, it didn't matter if you were a millionaire. I was like, hmm, I'm, I'm not going to ever be that unprepared. But country people, man, they had, like I said, they, they had stuff up in jars. They had a garden. They had deer meat in the freezer. They may have a generator running. But 
that's what people are wanting to get back to, and it's, the food is the key. That's one reason turkey hunting is so much fun to get a new person involved because in their mind, if they've never hunted, if they've never shot a gun or anything, they can picture themselves walking out of the woods with a turkey over their shoulder. They eat turkey on Thanksgiving. They can figure out, they know they can figure out how to pluck it and cook it and all that. And they can't necessarily do that with a deer. They 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 kind of hit that brick wall. Of what can I do? But once you get them past that, it opens up a lot of doors, and people are really interested in that. Like I say, the you know, there I was listening to the news this morning, and they're talking about more COVID nineteen in the meat packing plants, which I find very strange. But anyway, if there's a meat shortage, guess who's not going to be hurting? And that's four percent of the population, and right. that's. That's all hunters. Ninety percent, ninety-six percent of the people are not going to know what to do for their protein. That's a big issue. So maybe there's a silver lining on this cloud. Who knows? You know, people may get more interested in it. Yeah, it's always trying to find. I mean, and right now we're you know, it's a turkey season, but also fish are starting to bite, and that's yeah. another great way to get people involved. And I know you grew up, and I know you talked about your dad was a big fisherman. And yeah, I mean, we, you know, fish are not hard to to cook, uh, not, you know, really hard to clean. You do real simple a lot of times, but it's it's a great way to get people involved. And, hey, let's just go fishing. And with everything that's going on in the world, fishing would be a great way to get someone out there and get them going. And, uh, you know, and like you said, the turkey in the springtime, you get those cheeks and the turkey. It's, it's one of those things whenever I, growing up, we didn't have a lot of turkeys it, you know, I didn't know if anybody really turkey hunted, and those that did, if they heard a gobble, they were excited and playing baseball all through. You know, we're, I mean, I'm, I'm on a baseball field or in in the classroom. Seems like every time, whenever you know, every morning when it should be turkey hunting. But yeah. once I got out and I started turkey hunting, I was, you know, it was one of those things that just I I couldn't get enough of. Um, but for those who maybe have never been turkey hunting or want to know more about it. What would be a few of the keys that I consider you to be one of the best, most knowledgeable uh, turkey guys that I've, I've ever come across? What would be a few good tips that you would give for someone who just wants to wants to get up there and do more turkey hunting? Yeah. Well, if you've never if you've never done it before, my my, my first suggestion is going to be join the the National Wild Turkey Federation. Go to find out when the local banquet is. And go to that local banquet and just, you know, tell people, look, I've never been. I'm looking for somebody to take me. Now, Tom Kelly, who's kind of my mentor, he's 94 years old right now. He talks about the hardest thing there is to do is give away a turkey. And uh, <laughs> not, so maybe you, maybe you find a place that's got some turkeys on it. But if you can get one person to take you one time and show you how they do it, that just means the world because you're going to make mistakes. I still make mistakes, but I'm, from what I've seen, people that go to the National Wild Turkey Federation local banquets, not the big convention up there where you are in Nashville, just the local banquets can make a lot of friends. And you just kind of got to offer yourself out there. Look, I'm looking for somebody to take me one time to show me this or that because it's. Uh, Back when I was first starting, I knew one guy in my hometown. It was our football our football coach, Ed Reed. He was the only guy I knew that turkey hunted. And I asked him stuff and I asked him stuff. And them, those old guys back then wouldn't offer up any information. And you, didn't have, you didn't have the Internet and you didn't have Facebook or none of that. And uh, then I found one other guy, and he was the guy that cut hair. And I finally pestered both of them to death. Well, both of them took me a couple of times, and I kind of, okay, I can figure this out. And, I, and you got to have some motivation. You know, once you get to that point and they cut you loose, it's like, okay, I can do this. And it's really hard to do. I mean, there's great turkey hunters this year. Uh, I text me and message me, man, I hadn't killed one this year. They're not gobbling. Everybody has, you know, trouble killing the turkey sometimes, but, uh, I mean, my, my advice, number one, is to find somebody who does it, join NWTF and start reading all that stuff and find a, a local banquet, introduce yourself and tell them, you know, look, I don't, I don't, I don't hunt. I'd love to go. I see people get hooked up on Facebook all the time. I joined all these Facebook groups and there's dozens and dozens of them. 
turkey callers of America, turkey hunters of America, I mean, and start posting stuff on there and asking questions. That's why I learned how to raise chickens. There's some great, <laughs> great Facebook pages about chickens, and uh, I joined all those things, and I had a question the other day and threw it up there, and I got like 88 answers in 30 seconds. It was crazy. But uh, that's uh, that social media thing's a good way to learn. You know, the, the thing about turkey hunting is the calling part, which is the big mystique, that everybody freaks out about is very, very overrated. It's such a small part. It really is. People don't want to hear that. People don't always necessarily agree with that, but I'm just telling you. Calling on a scale of 1 to 10, calling may be a 5, where location is a 9 or a 10. You know, if you can find out, if you can get access to a place where turkeys are, and a lot of times you can get that by knocking on doors or just doing a little research, you don't always have to go to the public land. If you can just find where turkeys are, you can figure the rest of this stuff out. And if you ever go and hear one gobble, you'll be hooked. But the bottom line is it takes some determination. And and Dr. Brooks, Tiller, and Cubs can't take 10,000 people and introduce them to the woods. You can say the right things and do your part, but at some point they got to do it themselves. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you because when I – first started turkey hunting i didn't even carry a gun yeah uh, i went i had a friend who's like hey you know turkey hunting? I'm like, well, i've never been yeah i mean i've hunted my entire life but we never turkey hunted because we played baseball you know and so that's turkey season baseball season ran together and so we never there was never time to go and a, a buddy of mine we were on a spring break and i had a day off in college and they gave us one day off and my buddy's like hey you know turkey hunting? yeah i didn't even carry a gun i went with him and his dad and we're out there in the woods and learning. And then I started going with a cousin of mine who was one of the best turkey hunters that I knew personally. And like you said, I mean, I just went and listened and watched. And, uh, you know, and, and the first time I tried a turkey call, he looked at me and he, he just kind of held out his hand. I said, what? He said, hand me that thing. And, <laughs> you know, because I didn't know what I was doing. And, and I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to do it. And, and he said, you know, he said, just he said, let's just watch. And he was like that, light, knowing the lay of the land, knowing the land and listening and being attentive and not just, let me see how, how if I can make a good turkey sound. He said, because if you yeah. can make a good turkey sound, he said, if there's not a turkey around, it ain't going to matter. And, yeah. you know, it was knowing knowing the things of, of here's how the turkey thinks and just like you're talking to those people. And I think that through the magic of the interwebs, we can have that community even if we don't have it uh, next door. If we don't know right. somebody that turkey hunted, like you said, you, you met two people that turkey hunted. and But now you can just, like you said, you go to a banquet, you get on get on the social media, and you can find people who are willing to help you out because maybe they live in a different state. They're not going to worry about you killing their turkey, but they'll give you all the tips and advice that you want because uh, they want you to be able to go turkey hunt, but you know, they're not worried about you taking their turkey. And you said, like, like Mr. Tom Kelly says, <laughs> so, I mean, that that's great and I think people need to do that um, so when it comes to uh, the springtime and the turkey hunting and, and all that I want to get back to a little bit of the fitness side how have you seen I guess with your own personal we talked about your your eating habits and things like that but do you do anything special as far as fitness goes or do you or or is it mainly just running around in the woods and, and playing with the grandkids is that kind of your Fitness regimen, if you will? No. I, to, to motivate myself to get ready, I stay pretty active, you know, during deer season, putting people out, picking people up, lifting, doing all that. I, I just try to keep moving. When you get up in them mid to high 60s, I, you know, I'm not trying to be the Iron Man. I want to be limber as I can. So before turkey season starts, and this is one, 100% true, I'll go cut me a couple of what I call walking sticks, maybe a gum sapling you know, an inch in diameter and about six feet tall. I'll cut me two good green ones and I'll lean them up against my little shop where I keep all my turkey gear. And that reminds me, uh, you're not in your Polaris. we got to go find where the turkeys are roosting. And I get that walking stick and I love to go walking. You know, there's you just can't hunt on a four-wheeler for turkeys. You can't do this and that. And I got an electric buggy. I use it mostly with those veterans, especially the ones that are in wheelchairs. But I try to keep up with my, you know, my mileage. And 
you know, if I can do a mile, sometimes two miles. The other day I walked 6.8 miles on one turkey hunt, and that's pretty good for an old guy who's yeah still a little bit heavy, but that walking stick is kind of my, okay, grab it and let's go. It's like if I got that walking stick, I know I'm going to be walking. I park at the gate. I don't drive close. I was like, okay, turkey season is all about walking. And I found the more I walk, the better I feel. By the time turkey season is over with, man, I'm ready to go walk 18 holes if I need to or do whatever it is. It's, to me, it's just perpetual movement. I, I, I don't sit down much. My wife will tell you this. I can't sit on the couch and watch a movie. And I don't, I don't, I don't need to get out and run like you do. If I'm staying busy, uh, on and off the tractor, walking down the roads, lifting stuff and all that, to me, that's kind of my workout. But every time I look at that walking stick, and there's always three or four leaning up, okay, I tell myself, grab it and go. Let's go look at, check that tree stand. Well, let's walk from here. You know, and it gets harder as you get older. But to me, that's that's kind of my regiment, grabbing that walking stick and say, okay, we're going we're gonna to hustle it today. And you can still do it. Sometimes I love to just look at the young guys and say, you know, I can still do it. Maybe not at your pace, but I can keep up pretty good. So that's my motivation. I, I think that's perfect because, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really, if you think about it, if you go back just a couple of generations, I mean, we didn't have a gym on every corner uh-huh. with a bunch of weight. It's, it's funny that, you know, we, we go in and now you've got what they call the, they'll call the odd object or the strongman competitions. Well, they're picking up big old rocks. Yeah. I mean, that, that you know, like, that's part of it. Or you, uh, you know, they have a farmer's carry where you pick up pretty much. It's almost like picking up a hay bale in each hand and walking with it. You know, but they, they may be more weight, but that's really what, you know, a couple of generations ago, we didn't have gyms because every day was a workout. Uh, you right. got up and, you know, if you were working in a factory, you were working with your hands. If you're working on the farm, you're picking up stuff and you're throwing stuff around and you're walking every day was, you know, 12, 16 hours, whatever, of just I am moving and I'm doing things. And now, of course, now, you know, as we get more into a sedentary sit down for eight to 10 hours a day, then we, we need a gym to go do stuff. And I think that that's really critical for people to realize that you don't need a fancy gym. You don't need some fancy equipment. It's get outside and you get that nature component. You get that, the sunshine, you get that fresh air, and that's doing good for your body, good for your soul, good for your mind, and, and you're you're feeling better overall than just going into a a gym that they, where you're playing and playing and banging some weights around. You're gonna you know you're outside and you're doing things. You'll go out and like I said, you, you know you can pick up your grandkids and carry them, or you can walk around with them, and you're getting that exercise. You're getting that fresh air, which is better than better than a lot of stuff that you're going to do at the gym. Uh, you you may not build the muscles and you may not, you know, be as big and quote-unquote strong, but you're going to be that old farm strong, that, that country boy strong that yeah. is, is more useful in, in the big in the big term. You know, are you going to pick up a deer or be able to drag him out? You know, it's, it's a little different than just bench pressing a bunch of weight. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, people my age, and I don't know how many people my age you interview, but, it's it's just different. You know, I'm not going to take time to go to the gym and all that. I, I kind of know I, I should probably do better, but like I say, the walking stick, the farm chores, staying busy all the time, uh, I feel pretty good. You know, I really do. And I, my key was getting that weight off because, you know, when I was uh, in my mid-20s, I, I played softball, played football, did all that stuff, could hit the ball a long way. I carried that weight and didn't think much about it. Uh, but, buddy, when you get up toward 50 and 60 years old, that extra weight, it's, it's, you can imagine. It's, it's like right now I'd have to take a 50-pound backpack and add it to my turkey gear and take off walking. I couldn't do it. Right. You know, there's there's no way I could spend, you know, daylight to 11 o'clock walk 6.8 miles. There's no way. So it's important. It just It's all mental. You know it. It's trying to get people motivated to do that. And uh, my motivation is movement and, and working on the farm. And for me, that's enough. You know, I, I'm 65. I don't need to be in, up in the gym toning my muscles up. I need to be spending time with them kids, staying healthy enough to do that, passing on some healthy eating. Lord knows these grandkids, they're eating way 
more healthy than I did when I when I was their age because we just like I said we didn't know any better and uh, it's uh, it's pretty healthy lifestyle. My friend David Allen, who again I said saved my life, he he can't stress enough uh, sunshine, fresh air, and avoiding stress. That's his big deals. And uh, I can tell you a story about my wife and about that stress thing uh, when she was. 30, I think Pam was 31 or 32 years old. She was diagnosed with cancer. She had a sarcoma that was between her kidney and her adrenal gland. Anyway, this was a five-year ordeal. It was an unbelievably tough thing to go through. The bottom line is she didn't have a lot of encouragement from oncologists in here. We had a surgery, but we ended up in Mexico at a clinic down there that worked on your immune system. And while this is fascinating stuff, and it's crazy, but it worked, uh, they immediately said, here's what you need to eat, because they put her on some other things, some pretty high doses of vitamins. And this was 30-something years ago. Number one was no processed sugar. Number two was nothing out of a can. And number three was processed red meat. We had to avoid that, and we did for five years, which the red meat was no big deal. Guess what? I'm a hunter. Yeah. Uh, we had to get real creative on some of the other stuff because you couldn't have anything out of a can, no vinegar and all that, no processed sugar. Uh, and this was cancer treatment for them. Well, guess what? She's uh, 63 years old and kicking lively right now. And her prognosis at the time was not good. So I learned early on how to, number one, think outside the box, and number two, everything you put in there makes a difference. You know, you think, well, a couple of them double-stuffed Oreos, that ain't going to hurt nothing. Well, if it's got a bunch of sugar in it, it might <laughs> hurt, especially if you're prone to having high sugar, you know? So it, that was quite the life-changing experience for both of us. And she is a great cook, and uh, she'll cook something every once in a while. Say, now, don't you eat much of that. But we still still do tons of vegetables and lots of tomatoes and green beans and stuff like that. So, you know, it's it's just a – got to weigh it. What's it worth? You know, and I'll I'll eat a – we'll go eat fried fish one night, and then we'll try to do good for five or six days or something like that. And – but it's it's all mentally. You got to say what makes me happy. Well, what makes me happy is hanging out with them grandkids, so that motivates me not to go eat two bowls of ice cream and some of her banana pudding. I just walk away from it. Hard <laughs> as that is to do, buddy, because I did love it. But. Uh, oh, I know. But like you said, it's. I think that's the one thing is is people. Whenever you find that your reason uh, for whatever it is, you know, your reason for being healthy and fit, whenever you get that reason, you got that down pat, it's easy to walk away from those things Yeah. to step away. Uh, you know, I think about, I know my, my grandma um, smoked a lot, and whenever my granddad, he, he, they told him he had uh, emphysema, and he couldn't be around anyone that smoked. And I asked her, I said, what made you quit smoking? And she said, well, the doctor said he couldn't be around anybody that smoked. And she, you know, it was like that day she never picked up another cigarette. And it was interesting that it was just like you had to, have, you know, you have to have those reasons sometimes that this is what I'm doing. And, you know, just finding that reason, which, you know, what you said for you is it's being around your family, those grandkids. I think for everybody else, it's, it, whether it be being around for your kids, for your family, to see your grandkids one day, you're just, you know, being able to get that dream hunt. I want to go do some kind of, you know, I want to go out west and be able to do a, a hunt or just yeah. I want to track down those turkeys. I want to be able to travel six miles in the woods and track down that turkey. I, whatever the reason is, as long as we have that and we can remember that, it's going to help us make those decisions of what we should and shouldn't do in those tough times. It's kind of, you know, if you, if you know where you're going, it, it, that map is a lot a lot easier to follow. That's right. And, you know, the, my, my personal belief is you're going to live to be like 106 because those uh, – those doctors that were in Mexico, one of them was in Canada. It was pretty fascinating deal because they were doing stuff down there that wasn't legal in the United <laughs> States. And I'm not going down that rabbit hole, but the the number two thing behind the processed sugar was stress. And uh, they did some tests to show how stress affects your body. You probably know way more about this than I do. 
but and I've never been one to stress. I did this thing at uh, when they opened the Big Bass Pro up in Springfield. This was so many years ago, and they had a bunch of these so-called hunting celebrities shooting uh, an archery thing. Well, they had these pop-up targets. You know, they were in a big open building, and those targets would come up, and you'd shoot them at unknown distance and. I've been shooting 3Ds for years, so it wasn't a big deal to me. I, it was me and, you know, Harold and David were there, Night and Hell, Michael Waddell. It was a bunch of us. And uh, one of these celebrity hunters, I got up there and shot. Number one, the thing, the shoot was in an old Walmart building. And they walked us over there, and there's the targets behind these bushes and stuff. And they showed us how they'll hit the air, and the target will come up. Well, I looked down, there was 12-inch tiles on the floor. So I just, I just counted the tiles by the feet, you know. I was like, okay, I got that and sat back down. Well, one of these people, I'm not even going to tell you who it was, he was shaking so bad, it was unbelievable. It hit his trigger, the air hit the floor, bounced, and he sat back down. He said, man, doesn't that stress you out? And I went, no. I said, stress is when you're sitting in the doctor's office waiting on your wife's MRI to come back. I said, this is fun. It's it's all a mindset. You can't people stress over the littlest things, and there's just so many things that are out of your control. It just ain't worth it. And if you could just teach somebody how to stay in that kind of and I ain't. It's not a southern thing, and it's not a lazy thing. It's just you can't stress over everything, especially the stuff you can't control. And it's amazing to me what that does to your body. It keeps you energized, and you're not as tired. And you have the same attitude as Dr. Brooks Tiller. You're running around like a, you know, a mouse with a giant thing of cheese. It's just the happiest person in the world. And I guarantee you got more energy than 99% of the people around you because you learn not to stress. Now, I'm not, I'm not a health guy, but I personally think that's very good for you. Oh, definitely. And like you said, the stress is just going to, uh, you know, you have those hormones, the cortisol, which is a stress hormone, which is it's good in certain situations. But if you keep that level high, you know, that cortisol will in, will make your body hold on to more fat. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then that's going to throw other hormones off. And it's just, uh, it's, it's just that, that snowball at the top of the mountain and you get it going down the wrong side, it's hard to stop it. And sometimes I think getting outside for me, whenever I feel like, you know, I've got a hundred projects going, and I, you know, the, the, and I feel that stress is almost kind of coming on. For me, I I know that I, you know if I can get in the woods just for an hour or two, or go fishing for a couple of hours, like it, it's almost like that stress it just melts away. And I think that's one thing about being outdoors is uh, my wife. She's like, all right, are you hungry? Do you need to work out, or do you need to go to the woods? You know, if, if, if I'm getting kind of <laughs> if I'm getting kind of anxious, she'll look at me. Yeah. And she's like, all right, which one is it? You know, she's like, do you need to go? You need to go out. I'm a kind of my 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 gym is in the backyard. You know, she's like, you, you know, I've got some weights. I said, do you need to go work out? Do you need to eat, or do you need to go to the woods? And that's really for me. Like that's the the things that you know. If I'm if I'm you know seem like I'm on edge, it's probably one of those three. And it's really yeah. really neat. You know, she recognized that, and and she's like, well, go. You know, she's like, you need you need you need to go to your dad's, and y'all need to go fishing or something. You know. So, um, but like I said, distress is such a a dominating factor in today's world, and Ooh. if those are hormones off, and I mean, like you said, you could watch the news. Now, you you might be able to call the president and have a conversation with him, but I'm not. I don't rank that high for sure. So, <laughs> you know, me watching what me watching him and and what he says. I mean, I can uh, you know I, I can watch it to know a little bit what's going on, but I'm not going to be able to call him or call somebody on the stock market and tell them what I think. They don't really care what I think. So I, I'm not going to stress about it. You know, I think there's a, a, there's that line of being aware of what's going on and then stressing about things that you can't control. And uh, and I think that's a, that's a big thing we need to really take into account is uh, control what you can and those that you can't, you kind of got to let them go and, and uh, just take care of your own business. Yeah, well, the key is just what you said. You got to have a, something to motivate you, and some people get motivated. Don't I? I got motivated to eat better. I didn't like start going to the gym four or five days a week, but I still losing fifty pounds in your sixties. That's a hard thing to do. But I learned a long time ago. Uh, passion trumps 
everything to me. Passion trumps education. Passion trumps training. Passion trumps everything. If you got enough passion about something, you'll figure the right you'll figure the right road out. Same thing in hunting. If you if you just are as eat up with it as I was when I was young. My senior year in high school, I missed 46 days of school. <laughs> the, the principal, Mr. Aiken, called me in his office. He called me Strick. That's what my daddy was called his whole life. He said, Strick, if you miss one more day, you're not going to graduate. Well, guess what? I had motivation <laughs> to stay in school, you know, and it's like, but if I didn't have that motivation, I'd been right back out there in the home of Cheetah National Forest every day. Nobody was eat up with that worse than me. Thank God for it. And, uh, yeah, that motivation is, man, it's hard to give it to some people. Some people got it and some people don't. And uh, I know you deal with that daily trying to motivate people. Yeah, that's the big thing is, is uh, you can't make somebody do it. You know, uh, um, an old uh, teacher of mine, he said, you can take a horse to water, but you can't dunk his, dunk his head under and you know, and 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 that's so true because uh, I said, you know, like you said, everybody out there, you have to find your reason, find your why, and then get after it, and yeah. and not. But until then, you know, I I can't make somebody uh, eat better. I can't make anybody do anything that they're not going to want to do. And uh, like you said, you just got to give find your reason. Well, you're a great, you're a great motivator. Anybody that's met you in person would know that. And uh, you know, it's like. When you were at the NWTF and you, you stand out because you're always so positive and so polite, you can tell you were raised right. And I told you, that's why I gave you some advice. Look, just dive into every channel you got. Because, you know, I'm on the podcast I'm doing right now, I'm fixing to interview David Allen because there's so many things he talks about that will help older hunters. Because a lot of the guys who are hunting right now are just older guys because they came right. up doing it. We're trying to recruit people, but until then, he's got great ideas about what exercise to do to keep your calves strong, and you got to do this, and you got to do that. Man, I'm going to roll him right into that podcast, and some people may not want to hear it, but if it helps one person, so be it, you know, because that's a, you don't think about it until you start creeping on up there in age, and then it's like, that's all you think about. It's like a lawyer. Nobody ever wants a lawyer until they need one, then they want it to be their best buddy until they get to their legal <laughs> issues. So I've always, you know, you going down that path and writing that book at such a young age, that's quite an accomplishment. You should be very proud of that. Well, I appreciate that a lot. It means a lot coming from you because you've, you've played a big role in, in the things that I've done in the outdoor space especially, and I really appreciate you for everything that you, you're doing and all that you have done. Well, I have a lot of fun following you on social media. You got a lovely family. You can tell y'all are so happy. That'll keep the stress down right there. And, oh, it, yeah. and I, I understand it's hard to work your hunting in and all that kind of stuff. But you know, I, I'm ready for part two of the book. I can't wait to see what else you come out with. I'm gonna subscribe to the podcast. I always follow you on all your social media stuff, which is important. And, uh, you know, the social media, it's a, it's a stretch for older guys. I told you my, the reason I got into it is my granddaughter, at the time she was 12. She's like 16 now, but we were talking and I was getting on to her a little bit about her phone, always looking at her phone, blah, blah, blah. And she said, Pop, if you're not on Instagram, you're not relevant. And I went, hmm. I thought about that that night and I said, you know what? I'm going to be relevant to my grandkids. So I've dove in and I've tried to learn everything I can about social media. And I don't, some people say it's the devil and it's bad and all that. I don't, I use it right. Like right. I would, I would never be able to keep up with Brooks Tiller and then little kids if I wasn't looking at that phone some at night with some of them great pictures you post and some of the stuff you do motivates me. And that's what I try to do with my social media. It's 1,000% positive, and uh, that's, to me, that's a priceless tool. Uh, so I don't, I don't personally have any problem with social media. I don't, do, I don't go down the Twitter road and get political and do dark things. I try to keep it very light and very happy, if you know what I mean. So. Yeah, it's all in how you use it. It's all in yep. yeah. 
So, but where where can we find you? Because you you put a ton of great stuff on social media, and uh, I know you have YouTube and podcasts, and you have all you have all these things going on. Uh, just share a little bit where we can find more about you and follow you and and learn more about what Cuz is doing. Yeah, the 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 YouTube is probably the some of the most popular stuff. It's not I don't have that many subscribers, but it's it's simply Cuz four one one. And for your younger audience people, 411 is what you used to dial on the phone to get information. You would actually, you could dial 411 and get a live person and tell them, I need to talk to John Smith that lives in what. Anyway, that's because 411, because there is a lot of information, but that's where Cranky Videos live. He's my youngest grandson, and he gets more views than anybody. But. <laughs> I, I probably do more Instagram than anything. That's where I follow you religiously it's it's uh just cuz strickland on instagram and uh facebook's the same thing it's cuz strickland on facebook and i love facebook and i've kind of learned the difference because facebook to me is there's some older people there they they comment their comments can turn into a paragraph but it's a great place to learn stuff so i enjoy it and i got people i keep up with and uh like i say i try to keep my messages very positive and uplifting and i think the world needs some more of that definitely definitely and always the the mossy oak go app that you got i mean it's if you want to learn anything about i mean anything from preparing food or all kinds of turkey information and deer hunting it doesn't matter what you want to learn about if it comes to the outdoors that 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 app is amazing me and the kids uh they like everyone wants a show it's usually that's what i'm putting on we're watching turkeys and (laughs) You know, and, and and even the little the little one, she just turned three, but you know she she can she can make a little turkey sound, and uh, nothing makes my heart smile more than that right there. Her her little trying to make a little little hen cluck, and and it's kind of fun. But you know, we and watching those shows, and you've got a lot of stuff on there, and so that's always a great way to, to follow as well. But uh, one of the last questions I want to ask is something that uh, just it always intrigues me is if you could hunt anything anywhere with anyone uh what would you what would you be out there chasing where would you go and and who are you going to be with oh man you know it would probably be a wild turkey and i'd love to do it with my dad you know i lost him before he uh he had a lot of health issues after that and i never got him to kill a turkey i don't think i took him turkey him but one time but you know to me i tell people all the time a wild turkey is the best hunt on the planet you can't explain it to somebody who's never done it without it sounding silly. But, you know, once you get into all the little intricacies and, and what it takes to do that, you know, I don't I don't need to kill a kudu or a red stag in New Zealand. Just give me a, a wild turkey goblin and some bottom, and I don't have to be in an exotic place. But I'd, I'd love to share that with my dad because we missed that. Uh I've been able to, I've been so blessed to do it with all my grandkids, both my daughters, my wife. They've all killed turkeys and went and, you know, I, I had girls and I didn't care if they were big time hunters, but I always wanted them to have two things. Number one was to know where meat comes from because it ain't the grocery store. You can get meat there, but something died. And I always wanted them to be able to talk the lingo at the supper table. Yeah. And uh, that's, so I've been blessed beyond belief. I don't really need any kind of exotic hunt or to go with somebody else. I'd, I'd love to share a turkey woods with my dad, but I've been so blessed. I don't. I don't really need any of that, man. If if the good Lord calls me home tomorrow, you know what? I've had I've had a great run and uh, surrounded by some loving folks and some really good friends. So I'm, I'm gonna say that box is checked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I- I, I agree, and, and I was going. To, I meant to tell you that yesterday, I took uh, my boy out. He's almost, you know, he's almost five, and and so uh, we were out, and we just had some storm flow through. Some trees are broken down, and we were walking in the woods. And I used one of your lines. I, I stopped and I asked him. I said, "Do you, I said, you, you smell that? You know, you know what that smell is?" And uh, he looked up at me and he said, "Nature." And uh, you know, and I and, <laughs> and 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 so I love. I said, yeah. I said, I said, that's right, buddy. I said, you know, and he he said, uh, and then he said, he said, God made this for us, you know. And and it reminded me of the story that you heard you tell about you taking your daughter and then her 
on a hunt with someone else and, and her asking somebody about that smell. And I think that just like you said, one of the great things that you've done is you've been able to pass it on and you've been able to share it with other people. And I'm just grateful for you and grateful for all that you've done. And not only for me, but for everyone that loves to get outside and, and to hunt and fish and just uh, the great example that you are. And I appreciate you for everything that you are and all that you do. Well, God bless you, Dr. Brooks. You, I don't think you realize at a young age what a large shadow you're casting already. And, you know, you, you, you've helped motivate me to try to do better and stay healthier and all that. And, uh, you know, I'm one of those older guys who welcomes the next wave. Some people, you know, they kind of resent you know, the millennial, whatever, and I welcome that and try to train them. And, uh, buddy, you're, uh, you're at the top of that heap with me. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. And, uh, if I can ever do anything for the tiller crowd, you just, uh, I'm close as a phone call, brother. Man, I appreciate it. And everybody, I know you got a lot out of this today. And Cuz is a, an amazing man, but he's a wealth of knowledge. And I really hope and pray that you got a lot out of it. And as always, stay humble. Be hungry and get healthy.